Blog Talk Radio. Body, Spirit, You on Blog Talk Radio. This show is a collaboration between five women and spirit or universe, all brought to you by www.mindbodyspiritu.com. That's the letter U. There are weekly shows on Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, two Wednesdays a month at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and two Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time covering topics about all things healing, spiritual, metaphysical and we even throw in a bit of science. Many of our shows include time for you to ask for assistance on your journey and you will be able to experience some amazing healing modalities and receive guidance, authentic spiritual guidance, right here, right now. Many are aware of the quickly changing perspectives about our mind, bodies, and spirits, and that's exactly what we are here to discuss. So please join us in the spiral of life, and together we will learn, grow, and heal. Now let's get started with today's show. Hi everyone and welcome to the Holistic Health Hour with me, Certified Holistic Life Strategies Coach, Aleka Thorvalson. And as you know, this is a show that looks at health and wellness in a whole new way. So that means we're going to look at our bodies, our lives, our health, from a mind, body, spirit, and soul perspective. And it is really my intention to create a new kind of dialogue about our health and about our bodies that empower us to make real changes from the inside out. And I know that I've been taking a bit of a break um, off, off of the blog talk radio stuff. I've been finishing up a program that has been taking up my time and so, you know, at the beginning of the year, starting around January, I will have more time, which I'm really excited about, to be able to get back live on the air, doing shows, getting feedback, taking calls, all that good stuff. Um, but in the meantime, I'm just going to be doing what um, I have been doing, which is recording shows and doing them when I can. And um, I really want to thank everybody for all the feedback on the last show. It actually got quite a bit of feedback. I, I really appreciate, you know, any time I get insights from any of you all. Um, and if you didn't hear the last show, the last show was about the dance between projection and integration. And, yeah, we got down and dirty. We put on our boots. We uh, mucked around in our shadow a bit, talked about the shadow, talked about what it was, what it meant. Um, and, yeah, we found that, sometimes going into those shadowy places that we we so try to hide are actually the the sites 
of the buried treasure of our very selves. So cool show, great feedback, awesome questions. Um, it's archived, so if you want to listen, just Mind, Body, Spirit, You, Holistic Health Hour with me, um, and you'll find it. And as always, thank you for the feedback. Um, keep it coming. And you can always find me at Mind, Body, Spirit, You. That's the letter U. You can find us on Facebook, Mind, Body, Spirit, You. You can Google my name, Aleka Thorvalson. You can certainly find me on my own website, um, www.alekasky.com. And I love hearing from you. So this show is also a recorded show, so no live callers tonight, um, but it's going to be a good one. I'm totally excited to talk to um, Sue Simmons, and I interviewed this fascinating woman about her enlightening and empowering perspective on ASD, or Autism Spectrum Disorders. She really is bringing that whole H or W-H-O-L-E, holistic vibe to working with this particular issue. So stay tuned for the show. All right. I am so excited to have um, on my show tonight a friend and a colleague whose work I think is just brilliant. Um, It's fascinating. And I want to welcome Sue Simmons to um, the Holistic Health Hour this evening. And Sue does some amazing work. She is a parent of a child diagnosed with Asperger's at age five. And so she's really experienced the heartache and frustration that anyone who's um, affected by um, a child with Asperger's or their family, you likely know yourself. Um, And so she's worked with families um, affected with ASD since 2012, and she's based primarily in um, in Canada, in Ontario, Canada. But in this day and age, with the um, internet, and uh, makes the world very small. So she um, is certainly able to help you no matter where you are. And um, I'm so excited to bring her on the show, and she can tell us all about the work that she does and her philosophy, and how she sees this particular issue. Um, And she's spent countless hours really helping families in crisis and educational support and advocacy. So she definitely has a very interesting perspective on this um, this issue. So, Sue, welcome to the show. Hi, Aleka. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to to have you on. Um, And Sue and I met doing a training program, and um, I, I just loved your take on on this particular issue, and I knew that I had to have you on the show. <laughs> well, thank you. Certainly, um, I think my approach is uh, somewhat uh, unique and certainly far more optimistic than, than, than many you'll speak to. Yes. No, that's one of the things that um, I really appreciated about, you know, when we spoke was that, you definitely have an empowering and optimistic slant on this issue. And, um, and I think that's so needed and right in alignment with, with certainly um, what, what I believe, you know, and what we talk about here on this show. So, so let me ask, just, just to kind of start where we are, um, what got you interested in this subject of helping families um, on, with autism or on the spectrum? 
Well, um, when I'm talking to clients, I joke about how autism found me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when my son, um, who's now 17, uh, was three, we began to see some very unusual behavior, some very challenging behavior, and uh, we, as parents, we were just uh, really at a loss. Um, you know, I considered myself to be resourceful and certainly well-read and so on. And um, we just could not get to the bottom of what was happening for our son. And uh, so we enlisted um, some of the local agencies um, for help and support, and uh, we just didn't seem to get anywhere. So it actually took um, approximately two years before we found out that our son had Asperger's syndrome. And, uh, of course, back, back then, uh, so we're talking about 12 years ago, the, the landscape was just entirely different, and there were so few kids diagnosed at that time. So, um, yeah, so that's um, how it all began for me. So you really, as you said, it found you. You really were sort of on the front lines with it, dealing with it yourself. I was, mm-hmm. yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I can remember when um, we received his diagnosis and, uh, you know, the word autism was mentioned and you could have knocked me over with a feather. Mm. Um, that really wasn't on my radar and, of course, it really wasn't on anyone's radar the way it is now, certainly. So it, it really came as a huge shock. It was absolutely devastating, as it is to, to all parents that go through this experience. But I think back then it was just um, a little more challenging because there were so, uh, um, so few resources mm-hmm. made available. Uh, and you could almost, almost look at that as a double-edged sword because now, you know, there are resources everywhere, so it's almost, you know, the lesser of two evils. Um, to have not enough or, or too much information, really, depending on how you look at it. Mm. Yeah, I, I hear that um, for sure. You know, it's definitely more pervasive these days. And and I'm wondering, you know, that, you know, working with, with your son got you sort of your eyes opened to this world. And, and then did you get some specific training in um, this kind of, um, being able to support families in this way? What did you do next? Well, um, at the time, um, the only, ironically, the only resource that was given to me, if you can believe it, was the phone number of another parent. <laughs> that was it. Wow. So, yeah, so I was really left to my own um, devices. And what I did is I started a parent support group. Mm. And that was really... The only thing I could think of doing at that time, you know, was really to reach out to other people, and uh, and certainly, um, you know, I wanted to bring people together and to do what I could to to support others, and it was really quite a successful endeavor, at least in terms of supporting one another. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was at one of our um, meetings, and I would have about, you know, I guess thirty-five. 35, 40 uh, people at each meeting, that someone um, showed me uh, a pamphlet for the intervention that we actually wound up doing uh, with our son, uh, which uh, is called Relationship Development Intervention. Mm 
So mm-hmm. I, I read this brochure and I, um, I was really quite floored by um, what I read and it just so happened that the first Canadian to be able to offer this intervention lived uh, 20 minutes away from me. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it was quite uh, surprising. Very cool. And then did you get some training in that particular therapy then? Well, I did, uh, Mm -hmm. but not initially. Um, At the start, uh, well, what I discovered at that time through speaking with this woman was that um, that this um, this approach, um, you know, if you look at the name, relationship development intervention, it um, it's really about um, helping parents and children, um, and particularly children, through their relationships um, with their family and caregivers. That's a very high level approach, but but essentially. Um, what um, what I discovered was that it, it was going to be an intervention that, that was very, very helpful for, uh, for my son and my family. And after uh, a couple of years, it became very clear to me that um, I was feeling much more capable as a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, parents that may be listening to this um, will certainly appreciate what I'm saying because as a parent, you, you feel um, tremendously incapacitated and, and really, um, you know, it sounds terrible, but you really feel like you're failing when, mm-hmm. when it's got nothing to do with you, really. It's just the circumstances. Mm-hmm. So, and I'll, and I'll get into that a little bit more, but um, yeah. what, um, what I realized was that, you know, it was something that for my family, it really made all the difference in the world. And so once I felt um, like I was sort of back in the driver's seat of my own family, um, I wanted to to be able to offer the same thing to others. So I actually wound up uh, going to Houston, Texas, um, which is where the Connection Center is, the the body that um, oversees training for professionals. And I became certified myself, and that was about um, six, seven years ago. Wow. Yeah, it sounds like it was really an effective training. And I know... You'll be talking more about that in a little bit. Um, that that's that's great. You know, I think it's so profound when we can we really find, um, you know, the the teaching that we do when it's so relevant to our own life makes it so much more meaningful. And I'm just hearing that uh-huh. in in your story. Um, and and you know, the other thing that you mentioned I at the beginning here of our when we were speaking was that how different. Um, it was when it first started with you when your son was diagnosed because there, it, I mean, one parent was your resource. You know, there it wasn't like as you said it could blow you over with a feather. You didn't realize this wasn't a pervasive thing. And nowadays, it seems to be more so. Um, is at least it's more talked about. And I'm wondering if do you have any insight on on why that is. Well, that's a, a, a good question, and also um, a, a big one. Um, there are, I think, uh, many angles to this issue. Um, uh, some would say that uh, we're just more aware, but I think it's undeniable that there are more children diagnosed now. Um, I think the, the most recent statistic I came across was one in 88 children wow. is diagnosed with autism, and that is just a staggering uh, statistic. It's very, very frightening. Um, So, 
you know, I think that um, it is on our radar now in a way that it has never been before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, in, in part because of that, um, when a family has a child that they have concerns about, it is something that comes to mind for them mm. uh, because um, I would venture to guess that, you know, pretty much all of us know someone whose family is impacted by autism. So um, there are more cases. Um, I think professionals are, are diagnosing uh, more because there are more kids. So, you know, it's a very difficult thing to say um, it's just this, you know. Right. I can remember looking back on my own childhood, and I'm sure most of us can can look back and think of a couple of people that we knew who may have been on the autism spectrum, but again, back then, you know, it it wasn't being diagnosed the way it is now. So certainly, you know, it's it's hard to know is what I'm hearing you say, and um, I'm sure that there's so many schools of thoughts on it's environmental, maybe it's dietary, maybe it's chemical, maybe it's, you know, who knows what. Yeah, you know, exactly. what are the reasons? And, and that is a very, very big and loaded question. Yeah. Causes and and I think the you know are a couple of points that I would I would say to that. Really, um, I I don't think there's any question that most people would agree that um, there are environmental um, you know toxins uh, around us in in. In, everywhere we turn, mm-hmm. really. Um, so I feel that that is certainly um, part part of the the, um, the picture. And as far as the vaccination vaccination piece goes, excuse me, I'm not going to touch that. But you know, it is it is something. It's a very very um, big uh, controversial discussion. Um, of course, the scientists are saying that no, it is uh, it is not relevant. But uh, I know there are many many who would disagree with that. Mm-hmm. And of course, then there's the genetic piece as well. And yep. I don't think there's any question that um, genetics does play a part in the um, in the diagnosis as well. Great, thank you. And it sounds like you know we don't know, you know, and it, there's many many pieces to the puzzle. Many. Um, and it's not an easy. I mean, I wish in some ways we could say that's it. You know, that's the mm-hmm. thing. And it doesn't sound like that's the case. Um, and and the the other thing is, as you mentioned, there we are better at diagnosing it um, in some ways, you know. Whereas, you know, in the past, maybe it would have been called something else or slipped through a crack in some way. You're absolutely right. Um, I think the only the only d- danger with the, the number of diagnoses being made now is that, um, and this is just from my own personal perspective that. What concerns me a little bit is that it, it, there are so many kids being diagnosed that it, it is possible that other things are being overlooked. Mm. Um, you know, many kids on the spectrum have um, comorbid um, challenges, and so um, I hate to think that, that some things are being overlooked. And mm-hmm. so um, it's a very challenging situation. I don't envy the professionals that are diagnosing these kids. Um, it's got to be very difficult, and of course, you know, most of all for the families that are struggling. Mm, no, you're right, and you you mentioned a term there that I kind of wanted to hit on because I'm not sure if everyone maybe even knows what it means. And um, you, you said the autistic spectrum. Can you explain a little bit about what that is? 
Sure. Um, the autism spectrum um, really refers to a range of closely relate, related disorders that all have um, similar symptoms. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, autism is, by, by nature, uh, neurodevelopmental. And so really what that means, Aleka, is that the, the, the wiring in the brain mm -hmm. is different. It uh, doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything wrong with the brain. It's the connectivity mm. impacted. Mm -hmm. So uh, because of this wiring in the brain, um, parts of the brain are, are more uh, connected than others, and others are, are less connected than they should be. And so, so what winds up happening is that um, due to the wiring in the brain, the, the, uh, the child's um, ability to, um, to form relationships is, is challenged. So in essence, when, um, when a young child is brought into the world, everything that, that happens to them through their interactions with caregivers and family members, that really forms the foundation of who they become. And so um, in a child on the autism spectrum, because of the, the wiring in the brain, it really literally prevents um, pieces of development from occurring. Hmm. So, um, so then, you know, you've heard the terms high-functioning and low-functioning. I'm mm -hmm. not a big fan of those, but um, when, when we think of a high-functioning um, individual on the spectrum, um, typically, people think of individuals that have Asperger's syndrome, mm -hmm. and um, kids with Asperger's um, typically, well, they, they are di diagnosed with Asperger's because they are very verbal at a young age, mm -hmm. whereas individuals diagnosed with, uh, with autism are, um, are without speech at a young age. Now, I'm, uh, I'm dating myself in a sense because the DSM-5 has just recently uh, made some changes to the diagnosis, so I'm, I'm backtracking a little bit just to illustrate the point here between the high functioning and the low functioning. Got it, right. So, um, but the, the problem is, though, um, despite the fact that these individuals look very different in terms of how they function, um, generally speaking, they, they share the same uh, processing challenges. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I'll, I'll just paint a really quick picture for you. Sure. Um, so, uh, well, you've, you've probably heard of um, communication, behavior, and social challenges as they relate to autism. Those are sometimes referred to as the triad mm -hmm. of impairments. Um, in my training with the psychologist that, that I worked under, um, we were really um, trained to not to think of that as the autism, but that is the byproduct of much, or those things rather, are the byproduct of uh, deeper processing challenges. So, so those communication challenges, social skill challenges, and behavior challenges are the end result of these deeper processing um, difficulties. And um, they are, are kind of um, related to things like um, difficulty uh, with self-awareness, mm -hmm. understanding social cues. So an individual may not um, have awareness of how their behavior is impacting other people. Mm. Um, another one is um, what we call episodic memories. Essentially that is... 
um, using past experiences to guide future behavior. So, you know, some kids on the spectrum will um, will make similar mistakes or or um, do similar things over and over, and 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 um, seemingly not have an awareness of how to change their behavior. So, I'm really simplifying here. But it's kind of like mental time travel when you, you, you know, if you have a flat tire, mm-hmm. your brain automatically, you know, bing, opens up a file that shares information with you of your past experience that kind of resembles that current conundrum you're in. Right. So that's an example of an episodic memory. Um, flexible thinking is another challenge. Um, I like to think of that as sort of um, mental stick handling. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So being able to um, kind of think in shades of gray and, and use problem solving on the fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, many individuals on the spectrum um, have what we call sort of black and white thinking. It's, it's this or it's that, but there's no in between. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. really and, interesting. Yeah. And I, what I love the most about what you're saying there is that the behavior is a byproduct of those sort of, as you call it, kind of misfiring just differences in their brain. And so the, um, as you said, that episodic memory, you're not being able to have that memory to reference will cause the behavior of perhaps um, repeated Mistakes is that kind of it, or repeated behavior that someone doesn't quote unquote seem to learn from, but that's not really what's happening. Well, that, that's just one example. Yeah. Um, of course, there there are many. The the, the other unfortunate piece is that um, because uh, kids on the spectrum don't have the the benefit of you know hundreds of tiny little um, kind of fail and learn mm-hmm. experiences, um, they they don't have the resilience. Yeah, and so unfortunately, um, these these individuals spend a lot of time really feeling frustrated. I, I can see that, and that's part of what you were talking about. You know, the behavior or or the response is based on a. It's not that that needs to change, perhaps, but looking a bit deeper into what's causing it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that is one of the um, one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to have you on the show was because, you know, I, I really resonate with looking deeper at what that's about and in general, you know, in, in any kind of health challenge and um, or life challenge, we could say. But that's that's just a really empowering way to look at it. I think it adds a level of positivity and empowerment. In, in a way that I don't think I've heard um, of it spoken about before. Rather than being sort of just based on behavior, it's, it's looking deeper at, at cause. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think the, the empowering part mm-hmm. is really uh, based on the fact that, uh, you know, when I started my training, the idea of changing the brain was really considered very, you know, mm. woo-woo at that time. <laughs> right. And certainly, yeah. you know, neuroplasticity is commonplace now. You know, even on you flip on the radio, you can hear ads for companies that are saying, you know, do these exercises, train your brain, you yep. know, think more flexibly. It's all um, evidence to support the fact that, you know, um, it's not that the brain can't change. We just need the right stimulation, the right experiential stimulation, mm. the right time. Yeah, and you've got to look deeper at, like, 
the place or a cause to create that change. It's not just yeah. about behavior. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You need to know um, what's at the root of this challenge yeah. and, and what can we do about it rather than just slapping a Band-Aid on and trying to, um, um, trying to look at what's on the surface. Mm. Yeah, it's so important. And, you know, I, I think that for any parent out there who's been affected by this or, or any person that you know, is friends with a parent that's been affected by this, or kids, I and mean, we all know, I mean, that's, that's a lot. And, I mean, I personally have um, certainly um, have, have known people and supported others um, on this, with this particular issue. And I think it can be a pretty scary and ominous situation for everyone involved. Um, it must be hard, you know, for this sort of the diagnosis to come up and for parents to deal with this initially. And, do you have any thoughts on, on, on kind of what can be done in that situation? Something that um, you just can't prepare yourself for um, to, to receive this, this diagnosis. Um, and, you know, as, as a parent, um, anyone who has a child or a niece or a nephew that you're very close to, uh, of course, you know, we, we, um, there's nothing we, we wouldn't do for, for our children. And to receive a diagnosis like this, um, certainly uh, it's a devastating blow. Um, and, uh, you know, everyone deals with it in their own way. And uh, part of the reason that I was really excited about talking with you, um, Aleka, is, is because of the fact that, um, you know, autism really has been thought of as, as a life sentence, mm-hmm. but it really doesn't need to be that way. And, um, and I think this, um, the notion of, the, of change being possible is starting to get out there a little bit, um, but still uh, for those that, um, that, um, that don't come across this message, I just think it's so important mm-hmm. for, for them, uh, and for, particularly for, for parents to really understand that, that they really hold the key um, to s- some very fundament- fundamental changes that can be made in their own families, but they're not made aware of this um, early on. Mm-hmm. And so it's really unfortunate that parents often feel that they are really um, at the mercy of um, therapists and, and that they don't have any, any um, power themselves. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very difficult thing. Wow, I, and what you brought up there was really important, I think, which is, you know, really understanding that this is a whole family issue and that what's difficult for parents in that situation is feeling powerless, you know, like they don't know what to do. And, boy, that's a tough, tough feeling to have as a parent, you know, not to feel like you may not be able to help your child because you don't know how to parent this way, you know, hard enough to parent. Um, kind of flying by the seat of our pants without any major challenges. It is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, being a parent is one, well, it's the most difficult job there is. You know, yeah. question about that. But having a child with a neurodevelopmental disorder, you know, such as autism or ADD, ADHD, nonverbal learning disorders, uh, they're all very difficult. And, and I think one of the biggest things that parents need to recognize is that it really does um, sever the ability for parents to parent the way they would normally. Mm. 
because, mm -hmm. as I mentioned earlier, the fact that um, the um, the child's neuro um, uh, neurology or their, their wiring in their brain um, prevents them from um, from going through these typical phases of development. Not that they miss them entirely, but they miss they really do miss chunks. And so um, parents are often left, you know, thinking, oh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not doing this successfully, you know, I can't do this. And, and it's, it is true in, in some respects that, um, that you, you can't, you, you know, parenting really loses that intuitive piece that, um, that is really necessary. And there's a big disconnect between parents and child um, and, um, you know, in terms of um, the emotional feedback loop, you know, just kind of knowing where each other is moment mm -hmm. to moment and being able to make those little adjustments um, emotionally and, you know, borrowing the parent's perspective and, of course, the resilience that the child is missing. So it's, it's really important that parents understand that it's not their fault. Mm-hmm, I imagine. Yeah, it's yeah. not their fault. And the other thing I heard you say was that they actually can greatly affect the process of recovery and that there is a way towards um, recovery as well. Well, there is. You know, there are um, many, many factors involved. Mm -hmm. But um, in, in my work with families, uh, one of the phrases that um, families I work with hear me say on a regular basis is expect more mm -hmm. because, you know, in the work that I do, um, my, my sole focus is really to improve the quality of life for, um, of course, the child but the entire family because the whole family is impacted by autism. You know, it's not just about the child and, uh, you know, parents struggle on a regular basis. Siblings have a very, very hard time. Mm -hmm. um, of course, they're dealing with a lot of frustration in the family as well. And, and you know, there are times when um, a child can be, you know, um, resentful or embarrassed or any number of things um, just due to, to the emotional tone um, in the family. So it really is, um, uh, it impacts the whole family. It does. Of course it does. And I love that you really focus on that, you know, that this is about, you know, I read on your website that one of the things that you strive to do is to give whole families back their lives. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I found that to be so important that it is a system. It's a family system issue. Um, and so, you know, striving to give families back their lives. Can you talk a little bit about that and what does that mean? Mm -hmm, absolutely. One of the, you know, I remember having an aha moment when I first went through my training is, you know, when you really um, look at autism and how it, it devastates families, once you know why that happens, it is possible to, um, to really redevelop all of the things that, that have gone off the rails. As long as you know, um, you know, what's happened and, of course, how to do that, um, and, it, you know, it certainly takes the right family. But, um, yeah, in, in, in my work, um, the, the program that I offer, I, I offer a number of services, but this particular approach, relationship development intervention, it's, um, it's kind of like the way, it, it, I liken it to a parenting program for parents.
parents of kids that have autism. And the same thing applies to ADHD or, or um, nonverbal learning disability, um, any of those neurodevelopmental challenges, mm -hmm. uh, because um, the same thing occurs with any neurodevelopmental disability. It impacts the child's uh, or the parent's ability to parent that child the way they would normally. So, um, yeah, so the big picture goal is to give the child um, a real shot at quality of life, Mm -hmm. um, to enable them to build friendships, to um, you know, to live an independent life, and to um, and to have an honest to goodness reciprocal, um, em you know, emotionally based connection with their parents, um, and and that is all doable. Okay. Um, but it's a very it's it's a baby step process. Mm -hmm. So um, the 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 process itself is is. Um, is really, you know, starting at the beginning and helping parents understand, you know, why they are where they are so they can understand, okay, so the situation that we're in um, really wasn't our fault, you know. It, it really didn't have a whole lot to do with us. It mm -hmm. is a result of our, our child's um, neurodevelopmental disorder. Mm. Yeah, and I imagine that that would definitely take some compassion and um, coaching and working through, uh, you know, working with the parents on that. Because as a parent myself, I feel guilty about just about everything, um, <laughs> you know. So I, I, you know, and so of course we're going to feel this way. Oh, what have I done? What could I have done? What, you know? And so I, I love what you said there, with just starting where they are and saying, hey. It's not your fault. It is what it is, and there's steps that we can all use to become more empowered here. Absolutely, and you know you're right. It's a very um, challenging situation, and I find um, when I begin to work with the family, um, I usually take the first two to three months, and I have sessions with families every couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. um, really, just those those you know two three months are are really taken up by helping them really, really understand, um, mm -hmm. understanding how autism has impacted their ability to parent their child, what their child looks like, or excuse me, what their autism looks like. So we develop a bit of a profile. So, um, you know, in terms of some of the core processing challenges I mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, what are the child's strengths? What are the child's challenges? You know, so initially it's really about kind of settling things down at home, uh, which takes a few months. There's um, challenges um, almost always in the realm of limit setting. Mm -hmm. I know for myself, um, I was tiptoeing around my child and walking on eggshells in my own home, and I'm sure there are parents that will, um, that will really resonate for them because it's, it's just the way it happens. It's just the way it unfolds. Um, no one likes to see their child um, angry or upset or... Um, you know, stress out in any way, and so we, we do what we can to try to make things better, and that creates um, some unhealthy patterns, and these things take, take time to undo. Mm -hmm. So, you know, during that time period, I'm helping parents really understand that there, this, there is a path here in order to turn this ship around, and it takes a while before parents are really willing and able to look into the future and to set goals for their child that they never would have thought were possible before. Mm -hmm. um, for example, um, you know, your child 
having a friend over to play, or being able to go um, to a family gathering without uh, being terrified. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, there are any number of, um, of goals at the beginning for parents. They're almost afraid to be hopeful. Mm, wow. So, you know, I, I know it. You know, I, I, I remember it so well. And so it really is a process. So, you know, I, I work with families um, sometimes for two to three years. You know, I, I get the parents to a place where, you know, if you sort of consider a teeter-totter where one end is up and the other end is on the ground, uh-huh. you know, it takes a number of months to bring that teeter-totter back to a horizontal position. And so by the time we've gotten to that point, parents feel like they're driving the bus again. They know how to set, um, uh, they know how to set um, appropriate limits for their child. The child is much happier because they can, um, they can operate within those limits. Mm-hmm. And that's another big challenge because parents um, often are led to believe that, well, my child can't, um, mm-hmm. can't behave, you know, and, and they can. They just, you know, it's, it's a real process helping parents um, get things back in order, and it's something that it would be almost, um, almost impossible to do without the help of someone to really guide you and support you process. Yeah, I would imagine because it's a different way of parenting. You know, we it, it, it's about understanding and perhaps learning new skills and and learning new tools to be able to um, to really parent in a new way. Absolutely, yeah. and there's also um, a lot of work done in the area of changing communication styles, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and, um, and and most importantly, I think you know after after a period of time, you know we shift focus away from the parents and and more so uh, focus on the child. Of course, we've been doing that all the way along, but mm-hmm. but I've been working with parents to help you know um, alter how they're in, interacting with their child, but. At a certain point of time, in time when you've got the, the, the family dynamics back on track, um, we start working toward giving the child the um, experiential learning that they needed um, in order to, to build those developmental steps that they missed. So, um, you know, the child learns how to function in a, in a, uh, like a turn-taking env- environment mm-hmm. that is um, really back and forth, not mm-hmm. just my turn, your turn, but more like a peekaboo type of interaction, mm-hmm. um, learning how to coordinate their actions together, all the things that, that young children learn um, naturally uh, can be, um, can be, um, you know, I can, or, um, you know, many people can coach the parents in order to work through these things with their children. But it, it does take time and it does take dedication, there's no question. Absolutely, but it's great that you give. I think I, I would feel, and I'm just speaking, um, you know, from my own experience, that, you know, I would just to be able to do something, to know that I, not just as you said earlier, like just a, another professional would do it, you know, like that, uh-huh. that there was an everyday thing that I could be working on to be able to best support my child to, to learn, because you were saying it's just a way of processing information and learning in a different way, um, you know, and, and being able to have some... Um, some some way of working with that daily just is such an empowering place to be. And 
Yeah, so I, I can, you just answer perfectly the question about giving families back their lives, you know, giving families back, the, giving the children back the experiences that they should be having as children and parents back the, the experiences of parenting, you know. So I, I just, I appreciate your answer. Yeah, really good. You know, and earlier you had mentioned something called um, relationship development therapy. Is that right? Relationship development intervention. Um, RDI and and what it is? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I've been talking a lot about, you know, pieces of the program um, throughout our our discussion this evening, but um, the the overall um, intervention is very, very different because it's parent-based. Um, and as you were just saying uh, a couple of moments ago, uh, you know, parents are, are they, they are left really feeling helpless. Mm-hmm. And, and this entire approach is intended to really um, give parents uh, uh, another shot at learning how to parent their child on the spectrum. And then, of course, um, giving the child the ability to, to um, to pick up those pieces of development that they missed. So um, the idea of the program is um, is really to empower parents initially, and then to work on the child's um, gaps in development. So um, I mentioned earlier giving the child the right stimulation, ex- experiential uh, stimulation at the right time. So that's where um, a trained and certified consultant comes in. Um, when I begin working with a family, I do, I do an assessment which allows me to see a child working with um, his or her parents so I can really understand what the dynamics look like between the parents and the child because they really are a team. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's a very, it's baby steps. It's, you know, I work with parents that uh, both have full-time jobs, I'm sure, People may be thinking, oh, that's not something I could ever do. But the idea is to build this into a family's lifestyle. So they can, they can be doing, you know, working on this approach in, during the course of their everyday existence. So it doesn't mean they can't work. You know, it just means that, you know, for example, um, they may be working on a piece around communication and trying to limit direct prompts and reduce the amount of language that they're using. And you may think, well, what would that possibly do? But really what that does is um, it, it helps the child um, to learn to use, um, to, to use their brain and to, to really need to process information in the environment um, more so, to do more thinking um, his or herself rather than be told what to do. Um, and, and this is something that parents, um, who have a child on the spectrum will certainly know that they, everyone tends to do that because we need to get things done around the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm using that as an example because that is you know, one, one small piece of the program that people can, can understand. So it may be that for uh, you know, two, three weeks at a time, um, the family is, or the parents are really working on changing their, the way they communicate with their child. And as a result of that, they begin to see the child um, using more gazing, so the child will learn to um, to look to the parents to to make meaning of um, of interaction and figure out what's going on. So, mm-hmm. and that's just um, a testament to the fact that these kids are 
absolutely um, capable of learning. And uh, yeah. you really um, expect more, you know. It's, it's really possible. I love that. And that does that then the um, RDI um, work, does, does that kind of help with what you said earlier about setting those the, or creating that neuroplasticity, taking advantage of it to create those neuro, new neural pathways? Absolutely. Right. Yeah, it, there's no question. Um, every step of the way, um, the, the goal is either to help a parent, um, and as I mentioned, the initial stages are about empowering parents and getting mm-hmm. them feeling more capable. Uh, but then when we, uh, we shift focus on the child, uh, but that's not to say the child is impacted along the way, and that's an important thing. But yes, the, the idea is to give the child uh, very small, um, manageable um, cognitive challenges mm-hmm. so, so that they're not too stressful. They're mm-hmm. in their range of, um, they're in their, their range of capacity where, you know, they have to stretch their thinking, but, you know, it's not too, not too little or not too much. It's just in that, that right zone um, so the child's thinking is really being stretched on a, on a regular basis. And so the child is doing much more cognitive work. And mm. um, so, yeah, as, as a result of all of these little tiny, you know, you can call them aha moments if you want, they, they learn. Um, they learn to think in new ways. They learn to think flexibly, to problem solve, to, uh, to learn to understand nonverbal communication, and, and all the, of those core processing challenges that I mentioned earlier, um, you know, they, they can become much less of an obstacle to quality of life than anyone really thought before. I, I love that. You know, I and mean, you've worked with families now for a while, and you yourself have, um, you know, done this work in your own family. Can you talk a little bit about the successes that you've had? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think um, a great deal really depends on the family. Um, mm-hmm. it, it goes without saying, uh, it's just like anything. You know, if you decide to, to take on an exercise program or to read a book, you know, if you don't sit down with a book, if you don't <laughs> do the exercises, right. those shifts aren't going to happen. So um, the parents that, that do best with this approach are the ones that want to be in the forefront um, of helping their child. And um, they need to be willing to, to learn and to work under the guidance of someone like me. So, you know, my, my job is to help the parents learn to become self-sufficient mm-hmm. rather than for them to become dependent on me. Right. Um, Although it does, it does take a little bit of time. So in terms of successes, um, I, I'll give you an example. Um, I mentioned before um, uh, about parents setting goals. Once I get um, a, a little while into the program, I have parents um, put together a paragraph or two um, that we call a mission preview. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, uh, I mentioned about you know having a play date or being able to go to a family function. So every family, um, and, and it's difficult for many because they're afraid to dream big, you know. But right. I, I need to really encourage them um, to to think big and to dream big. And uh, most of the families that really put the work in do. Um, do achieve those goals, and in in fact, uh, ironically, what I wind up doing is reminding families what things used to be like, um, because.
as often as life changes and things get better, it's not that people um, aren't grateful, but they often forget how challenging things were because right. life just takes over. And so I often have to, um, and I, you know, families do a lot of videotaping, and so there's a lot of, you know, a lot of, um, uh, you know, record taking and so on through the process, and um, and and I'm constantly having to remind families. Remember, remember when this was happening or when that was happening, and and many of them will say, "Wow, I wow. I've completely forgotten about that." Yeah, don't you love that? Living with the new normal. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love that. It's amazing how when we look back, um, when, certainly I, I utilize that a lot in my own work with clients, you know, in my own life even, look back six months, a year, you know, two weeks sometimes ago, and where were you and where are you now? Yeah, um, it's true, they forget, they forget. I know, it's, it's so easy. That, that I should just mention, uh-huh. well, Aleka, is this, you know, when, when, you know, after it does, you know, I'm talking, you know, a few months down the road with mm-hmm. the family, um, the other thing that, that is often impacted is um, the child's ability to function at school, too. Mm. So, you know, the, the things that the parents are working on with their child, they, they in time become generalized um, in their relationships with other people. So, um, yeah, these kids are more than capable of, of learning. They, they, as I said, they just need the right stimulus mm-hmm. uh, at the right time. Absolutely. No, I, I love that. Um, and, you know, you, I mean, you have such expertise here and such compassion, and you can hear it, you know, when you're speaking and, and the way in which you're, you're talking. Um, you know, I'm wondering, do you offer, like, trainings um, or educational support for people with this particular issue? Um, I don't offer, well, certainly most of my work is done um, with individual families. Mm-hmm. I do workshops from time to time. I offer, um, you know, shorter term. I mean, I, the, the, the idea is really to be flexible depending on, depending on a family's needs. Um, I do go into schools sometimes and, and work with, um, with staff in schools um, to help them uh, learn to communicate differently. Um, so there's really a range of, of different offerings um, depending on what the family needs. Mm-hmm. What what do you offer, Sue? Like you know, and knowing that you're you're based in Canada, but there there's people listening all over, um, mm. you know, to this. And there's a way that they can maybe get in touch with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, as you mentioned earlier, the really cool thing about this approach is that um, you know, for example, I work with um, a couple of families in the states, mm-hmm. and although I do need to travel there um, once every six months or, or once every um, every year. Um, all of our work is done um, through phone and or Skype. Mm-hmm. And so uh, with the technology being what it is today, it, it does not mean that a family needs to be local. Um, so the other thing that, that I have just begun offering is coaching. Mm-hmm. And um, because I am um, very, very passionate about empowering parents, um, and I happen to be a mom, <laughs> I am extremely uh, passionate about empowering moms. Um, one of the, um, the new services that I'm offering is, is a coaching program called You Grow Girl, mm-hmm. and it's really targeting um, moms of, of kids that have children um, with autism or any other special needs. Uh, because moms have such a, a unique connection uh, with their children and they're often 
at the helm of treatment needs, um, they often wind up um, really suffering tremendously in the area of, um, you know, uh, physical and emotional health. Um, Self-esteem is, is generally um, impacted, and I know this firsthand. Mm, right. And, you know, in my case, it took me a long time before I began to realize that, you know, if I went down, the whole ship was going down. Oh, wow. Yeah. A lot of pressure so, there. So this is um, uh, a coaching approach that, that is really um, designed to help empower moms um, with the goal of them being able to, um, to, you know, focus on themselves. And, of course, one of the happy byproducts is to empower the rest of the family because, let's face it, Aleka, if, um, you know, when mom's not, not well, the family suffers. No, and you're so right. And I've seen um, your model a bit, and I've, I've certainly talked to you about that and um, at more in depth, you know, outside of this. And I love the optimism and um, charisma that you bring. And, you know, I would I, – and I know that that is – you're so right. That is so needed, you know, that moms um, – and we're not discounting dads. Dads are awesome. They, well, we of just course. Have, right? Of course they are. Right. We just have different jobs in the family. And, and moms do kind of take up the brunt of the majority of the time, you know, of that sort of parenting. I know from my case, uh, my husband was like, just tell me what I'm supposed to say. Give me the book. <laughs> highlight the important points. And I'm good. <laughs> You know, and I sort of did all the, the, the legwork, um, and I'm still doing the legwork because it, you know, challenges me daily, my children. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, and, I, and so I think that your, you know, that focus um, on the moms is so valid, and it reminds me of something that we were talking about kind of at the beginning um, of, of um, our time tonight when you mentioned about just that sort of the guilt that can creep in, you know, and just the feelings of overwhelm that can creep in. And, oh. and being able to really have that time as a mom, to be able to have that me time where you can just talk to somebody that knows about this particular issue um, and yeah. can give you some help, but also just be there to help you work through those feelings. You've raised a really good point. I think, um, you know, one of the reasons that I started my support group way back when was because I really was craving a connection with other parents that could really understand what I was going through. Right. And I, I, I really think as a mom, it's, it's something that is impossible for someone to understand unless they've experienced it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, am, I, am, I have so much compassion for moms. Um, you know, having a child is, a, is, is a, one of the most, well, of course, the most beautiful thing we experience. And um, and then to to suffer uh, and to see your child suffering is is just it's it, there's nothing uh, more horrible and uh, so I really hope that um, that through uh, this coaching model I can I can help um, improve the lives of moms and in turn um, help their families as well you know you think about when you get on that that you know. It, on that plane and you travel anywhere with children, mm-hmm. they, they are always, the airline attendants are telling the parents to put their oxygen masks on first, and, mm-hmm. and really that's what this is about. You're right. You know, I love that analogy. Um, and, and where can people find you? How can they get in touch with you? Because I'm sure people listening are, you know, that are, you know, maybe they have kids that 
have these kinds of issues, and it's a broad range, what we've learned today, broad range of, of really issues. Is. And yep. so, so what, what are some uh, website, uh, email, phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, my uh, website is equinoxfamilyconsulting.com. So that's E-Q-U-I-N-O-X, equinoxfamilyconsulting.com. And um, email would be equinox at bell, as in ringabell.net. Um, so I, I think once, uh, you know, if, if a family is interested, you know, having a little gander at my website uh, would be a great start. I also do a bi-weekly e-newsletter um, that goes out to subscribers, and I really try to make it practical and informative. And um, there's, on my website, there's a blog with a lot of um, information and resources, so I would invite families to um, to go and, and have a visit and, of course, to contact me if they're interested. Um, you know, the message that, um, that I really want families to get is um, there is hope and things can change and uh, little, little moments can make big change. Yes, thank you for that. You know, and I want to second what you, you said. I've had a chance to peruse um, your website, your blog, um, great information right there on the site. And I would encourage everyone to, if you have questions for Sue, to just go ahead and, and um, contact her. Also, if you're driving and you're listening to this, um, I, you know, if you go to the, um, the homepage of this particular episode of um, the, this show, I'm going to have all of her contact information and links right there. So you can just click, click, um, find it super easy, and um, get in touch with Sue. And, you know, I, I love that you just said that, you know, as, as we close today, um, really giving parents um, th their power back um, of, of dealing with this particular issue. Any last words that you, you kind of want to leave us with tonight? Well, I, I would just like to say to to parents and families um, that you know autism is is devastating. There is no question, but there is um, so much possibility now, and uh, we know that the brain can change. and um, And just not to give up, and um, and not to lose faith in yourself. Mm. Well said. Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. I really appreciate your um, your input. I have so many more questions, but that'll have to wait um, <laughs> for another show. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Oh, great! Thanks, everybody, and I will see you the next time. <laughs>